Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And this very day, you and I are going to take a new look at wine, and it, it, it will be yours to decide whether that sweetest nectar that drips gently from the vine comes from the sweat or hard labor of the vintner, or uh, perhaps just the God's own grapes himself that bring it to fruition. Uh, yes, we're going to plunge into everything wine, the, the art of winemaking, some of the oldest traditions, and some of the newest tech tools. And we're going to talk about the business of problems and profits and uh, of starting your own winery and how you keep a treasured one on top. So, uh, oh yes, and of course, we are going to add the art of tasting and enjoying the fruit of Dionysus, who, after all, is the god who gave us that fine gift that all fermentation entails. And here, acting as our Virgil, as we descend amidst the vineyards, is uh, an old friend and a gentleman who's on the board of the American Wine Society, who, uh, for nearly three decades, has served as uh, a professor with Rutgers University, an agricultural extension agent, and frankly, he has know, he knows more and has done more to build the wineries in the state of New Jersey, Dr. Gary Pavlis. And when it comes to imbibing the grapes, you, you just just read his his column, Liquid Assets, or take any of his courses, uh, or even better, sign up for his wine all the time tours. Anyway, you'll hear all about that. So if you seek to expand your profits as a winemaker or your tasteful horizons as an educated imbiber, pull up your chair and join us for this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Gary, so glad that you could step your ruddy feet out of the crushing barrel and come share your insights on the delights of wine today. Hello, Bart. Thanks for asking me. Oh, well, this is going to be great fun. Gary, uh, actually, as I've said, few folks know more about the business of wine than you do, and you've got better than three decades of experiences in the cups. So could, could you just explain to us what's the enormous explosion of What's behind the enormous explosion of wine, both making and drinking? Well, you know, I mean, uh, in uh, in New Jersey, um, it, it really right. is, is – uh, there's a lot of different things. First off, you know that uh, when I first came out in the 80s, you know, we still had a law left over from Prohibition that said we could only have one winery per million people, believe it or not. So ah. back then we had seven wineries. So so basically the first thing that really inspired people was that we got new legislation that said if you use Jersey fruit, you can have a winery. So that was the Farm Winery oh, Act. Okay. So that really got things rolling. That got things rolling, you know. And But then you needed some science behind it. So um, some of the people came to me and said, Gary, you know, Rutgers is doing nothing with regard to uh, grapes and wine. Uh, what can you do? Yeah, so the yeah. first thing I did was put a um, variety trial in, and I planted everything from Cabernet Sauvignon to Concord, and um, <laughs> to see well what can grow here. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, right. in, uh, in France they've been doing it for two thousand years, and and here um, I was trying right. to in, reinvent the wheel. So um, we planted right, right. Uh, uh-huh. Cabernet to Concord, and uh, and it wound up um, almost everything did really well, you know. 
And uh, yeah. so that's really where we well, got Cab things going. Cab Frank actually does a little better. Cab Frank does a little better in New Jersey than Cab Sav. And I mean, every region has its own little uh, quirks and, and, and uh, favorites, yeah, right? right? Exactly. I mean, Cab Frank, right. we, we really realize, because Cabernet Sauvignon takes a little longer to ripen, and sometimes we just can't ripen uh, it. Uh, and but Cab Cab Franc really is the one that uh, is is our you know good working horse here in in New Jersey. But but then you know the next thing that happened was uh, people realized, geez, you know um, you could you could uh, you could really make some money um, on uh, grapes and wine where uh, things like apples and corn and you know you were making two hundred dollars an acre or something. Um, so uh, you could actually make some money. So. So I had a lot of farmers switching over, and uh, mm-hmm. and it was at a time when people were really starting to discover uh, the joys of wine, and that well, really now, got things expanding. Because I have heard also that farmers say that they literally, as a cash crop, they get, as you say, more dollars per acre with wine grapes than anything else. Now that's they don't have to even have a winery to to make that profit. They can ju- just grow wine grapes. Am I correct? That's true. That's true. I mean, let's let's just take uh, a real good situation. Say something like Merlot. If okay. you're growing Merlot, you're going you can get two thousand twenty five hundred dollars a ton, and you can get say three to four tons of the acre. That's ten thousand dollars an acre um, off off, a, right. off an acre of uh, grapes. So the thing is, ten thousand is a heck of a lot better than two two hundred dollars for corn. So now, granted, there's a lot of inputs no. there yeah. and. Oh. And, you know, and the setup and everything else. But the thing is, is that people realize you can make money growing grapes. God. So, well, now, at the same time, uh, and, and it's not just farmers. There's, uh, you know, there's a lot of non-farmer uh, winepreneurs, I call them, are springing up actually all over the country. Uh, I think we have 8,700 wineries in the U.S. last I heard, and about up 5% just from last year. A lot of states are saying it's the fastest-growing form of agriculture. And so my question is, what about the mom-and-pop uh, uh, outfit that's looking to start a winery with a minimal number of acres? And, a, and can they, with a small number of acres and some seasonal help, can they make a nice living for themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think the biggest problem uh, is the startup money. You know, if it's going to cost yeah, say yeah. ten, twelve thousand dollars an acre to set up the acre, that's grapes, that's irrigation, that's posts, that's wire. Um, so it's going to. So say if you just put in five acres, you put in five acres. So you're right. talking fifty grand, and you're not getting any grapes back for three years. So that means for you're going to have to sit yeah. on that fifty thousand uh, for three years. Now, do you? You know, that means either you know a loan or a low interest loan or something. But uh, it's that initial uh, out, outpouring of money that that is the tough thing to kind of get over. But um, but small little mom and pop wineries uh, are doing well all over the country. And and the thing to realize is, uh, mm. you you never hear about a winery going out of business. I mean, it, it just uh, usually the only really? re- reason why it goes out of business is because the guy gets so old he just retires. And then they go out of business. Right. But, yeah, but, that's uh, true. That's true. but that's the only time they go out of business. It's it's. Uh, um, we just did a study with Rutgers, and seventy five percent of all the wineries in New Jersey are expanding. Uh-huh. So that tells you something. Oh my God! I try to find another industry. Just grab an industry that that, that can say that it's ex- that seventy five percent of its participants are expanding. It's, that's it's right. Good of. luck. Oh, okay. Good well, luck. Yeah. yeah. 
If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time flows joyously across the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this and all our episodes by visiting theartofthecEO.com. That's theartofthecEO.com. As an added avenue, you can also enjoy our shows on the C-Suite radio station. We're, we're proud members of C-Suite radio where the smorgasbord of business solutions stands arrayed for you to profitably devour. So just visit uh, our Art of the CEO episodes on C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. Gary, uh, now for that, that would-be uh, wanpreneur uh, who's going to join the 75% expanding, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you run a, a very famous 75-minute uh, uh, wine expert course. Could you give us just a, a thumbnail description of the course and, and then add maybe, I don't know, two major considerations for someone who's dreaming of opening a winery? Well, I mean, the 75-minute uh, wine expert is, of course, she actually can't. I, I really don't like the word expert. I mean, people call me an expert, for instance. Yeah. And, and, and I always say, you know, there's 135,000 different wines released every every year. I maybe taste two to three thousand. So um, if right. you haven't tasted everything, how can you really be an expert? But but um, but the right. seventy-five minute uh, wine expert course basically teaches you how to taste, and and that is that is really important. How do how do we we don't do it right here? We don't we don't really understand why we taste. Um, people tend to just pick something up, a drink, shove it down their throat, and then wait for their stomach to tell them uh, did they like it or not. And and that there's a whole lot more to it than that, you know. So so the course oh, yeah. tells you about that kind of thing, about the, how how your senses work, um, how your uh, taste buds work, those kind of things, so that you can really enjoy. It's all about enjoyment, and that's the bottom line. It's all about enjoyment. Oh, sure. uh, you know, my, to well, me, I, I don't do anything that I don't best, love. Best. You know. <laughs> right. Uh huh. I well, I got married, but other than that, uh, I I always say. <laughs> Uh, that you know, I, I always say that the greatest, the, the best wine in the world is the wine you like the like the best, or the wine I can come to your house and drink for free. But um, there, there's a lot of myth and fantasy about wine tasting. Uh, and and you, I, I, I've got to say, you are the only instructor I've ever experienced who will actually correct students when they they go off the deep end and they rhapsodize. Oh, I feel I taste hints of chocolate and Bartlett Baron formaldehyde and whatever. And, and so. Uh, so, so describe right. for us, if you will, how we just, just give us a few uh, tips generally on how some uh, a listener here might better discover uh, some of the vintage's subtleties while he's drinking. Well, I mean, it's you know the the, uh, the one thing is that we ha- we've lost the ability to smell. Um, you know, that people just don't. Mm-hmm don't really we really don't smell and that is our strongest sense i mean realize that you know we all have smelled and all of a sudden we rem- there's a memory that comes back you know uh instantaneously oh, yeah. you you, you think about your grandmother's house or uh the beach or you know it is our strongest sense and yet we tend to take a take a liquid and just shove it in and then like i said then it's down in your stomach you know and so you know one of the things that that we we teach is what we we call the five s's and the five s's are a way to actually evaluate wine so that you can enjoy it better and it's very simple it's just uh the first is sight 
So, you know, we like to see the color. I mean, you eat with your eyes first. So that's very important. And as a result, I always tell people that you have to use clear wine glasses. So I always say if you have colored wine glasses, there's two options. One, and the best one is to break them. And the second is they're now water glasses. And and then uh, swirl the glass as the next S and uh, so that it, it releases the aromas. Smell um, and then sip and swirl it all around in your, in your mouth so that all of your taste buds get uh, a chance. And then savor. And the savor is what are you tasting after the wine is out of your mouth? Well, that tells you what you should match it with as far as food. You know, I mean, wine, people that are really into wine realize that wine is the liquid part of the meal. That's what's true in, in yeah, France yeah. and Germany and, and Spain. Wine is the liquid part of the meal. So by doing that, um, the five S's, um, sight, swirl, smell, sip, and savor, you really start understanding what's in the glass and, and enjoying it more. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know, so that's a really yeah. that's a big key. Well, I would that's add one key. to that, and and uh, and I would add the other set of sound. And I know that sounds funny, but when you hear the the cork pop, when you hear it pouring into the glass, that also sparks memories uh, that that uh, should sort of set you in an attitudinal mood. That's just my own thought. But oh, uh, I think I think yeah, the, pop I, of the cork I, is one of the greatest sounds there is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that sound. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, yes. And uh, hopefully we'll still be, be doing that for a long time, but we'll get on to that a little later. Uh, <laughs> Gary, if, if, cons- if consumption prices are going to go by, uh, I, I, I was, this surprised me, but I said the vast majority of wine drinkers over the world have a sweet tooth, I mean, based on the pocketbook. Vintners, I, I know they labor exquisitely to make this, delicate Cabernet in this just uh, exactly slightly oak Chardonnay, but it's really the sales of the sweet wine that keeps all those vineyards financially afloat. Am I right? Well, yes, but um, the the statistics show that 75% of the population likes sweet wine, but that they only buy 5% okay. of the wine. In other words, people who drink sweet wine ah, tend to buy well, one that, bottle. That's probably based on price, too, I assume, right? Now, that, well, yes, but, I mean, you know, in other words, they only buy yeah. one bottle. They buy two bottles. Um, when I buy a Cabernet I like, I buy a case, you know, and and, right. and that is the difference. I see. You know, that is the difference. But but the thing is is that every winery should and, and most do produce at least something sweet because uh, you're right. People come into a winery, and you don't want them to leave empty-handed, you know, so uh, there right, should be right. something uh-huh. sweet. And there is there is a place for sweet, and that is, of course, with dessert um, or, you know, around the pool and things like that. But, but you know, the, the problem oh, yeah. the problem is is that we don't, we don't realize that, again, wine is the liquid part of the meal, and so um, sweet wine does not go with food. I mean, there's an old rule of thumb, and, and that is that yeah, the, yeah. the lousier the cook, the sweeter the wine. The lousy the cook, the sweeter the wine, <laughs> because because sweet wine kills food. Think about it. If I was going to give you um, no. um, grilling a steak, and it's steak you really love, right. but first before we eat the steak, I'm going to give you a Milky Way, and then you'll eat right. the steak. Are you are you going to taste the steak? Yeah, right. No. Well, that's what you're doing you with sweet know. wine. You know, that's what also, you're doing. By the way, I might just. Uh, you, you, there's a thing. Uh, I had someone, a friend of mine, say, and I, uh, just since we're on the topic, 
that we that we generally in America we drink our red wines, uh, our red wines too warm and our white wines too cold. Temperature is another thing that could. Uh, can, can kill, right? Is that, is that true or not? That, well, that that is true. I mean, um, you know, if you, whenever I hear something, uh, a liquid that well served well chilled, um, I guess they don't really want you to taste it, um, and right. so that yeah, really scares right. me <laughs> off. I mean, you know, so the rule of thumb, there's an easy rule of thumb, is that if you have a white wine, okay. pull it out of the refrigerator 15 minutes before you're going to drink it, and if you want to drink a red wine, put it in the refrigerator for 15 minutes. And 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 as a result, you'll have it at the right temperature. We talk about room temperature, and I think everybody, they think red wines at room temperature. And that old rule, that chestnut came back when the when not everyone had immense central heating, and uh, a lot of rooms were around fifty-five degrees. That's right. I mean, they really are talking about cellar temperature, not room temperature. Um, yeah. That's where it was cellared. So the perfect is around 58 to 62. So the thing is, just put it in the refrigerator oh, okay. for 15 minutes. That's all. You know. Um, I mean, I really oh, don't right. like putting ice cubes in wine. You know, um, because it just warms no, it down. No, so, no. Oh, you know. Right. So that's for that's the, a kind oh, of a no-no. No, you know. <laughs> that's, no, a, that's a no-no. Oh, Lord. It's- it's like asking a, a congressman for philosophy. It just waters it all down. Anyway, um, <laughs> Gary is going to enlighten us with uh, some of the latest, uh, not just tasting, but also making trends in wine. Right after, you and I take a brief sorbet from today's Feast of Wisdom as you allow me to offer you a few well, utensils for today's feast. And first utensil, as I always do, uh, may I remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you lift your head from your labors and honestly assess the joy your current job or enterprise is affording you and consider how you might boost that joy quotient? Or will you continue to ambitiously insist that the goal you strive for is worth any amount of misery, so keep on drudging? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. The second utensil, uh, I can sense you're yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and take the swift recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book, as I thumb through it here, right now in front of me. Oh, here's a, this is particularly, this is, this is us. This is number 90. Pour out your praise like a medium-priced wine, not so rare that it is held ever in reserve, nor lavished so freely that its value is diluted and diminished. <laughs> Anyway, well then, Gary, uh, as a person who works with students, coworkers, staff, is the is that analogy of pouring uh, credit and wine an apt one? What do you think? Well, you know, it, it is. Except, you know, people people are tend to be turned off by by you know getting so deep. Um, yeah, I remember oh. uh, a wine one time that was uh, was being released, a California Cabernet. And they called it a, a naive little wine, assertive, but you'll be impressed by its aggressiveness. And I thought, oh my God, you know, I mean, people are going to go screaming into the night when they hear something like that. You know, I mean, you know, the bottom line is, is uh, does yeah. it smell good? Does it taste good? Does it go with food? Yes. You know, uh, can I afford it? And, uh-huh. and, uh, and I think that's that's you know, it's it does kind of scare people off. I think you know. When it gets right. too lavish. Oh, I, I think you're right. <laughs> right. 
I, and I always felt that the praise is, uh, well, it's a spontaneous pouring of gratitude for all the help that comes your way, and the same with wine. Uh, and, of course, in business, uh, praise is a great motivating tool, so it's worth keeping uh, deaf and sharp. But if you smirk a yes. bit over that clip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of the 102 or the 101 best business quips. Great ideas and uh, with a delight and wit and laughter, and it'll all sort of bumptuously help all your charming sessions or so, I'd have you believe. Uh, as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is the name of the individual who said, youth ages, Immaturity is outgrown. Ignorance may be educated and drunkenness sobered, ah, but stupid lasts forever. <laughs> Those words were spoken by none other than the insightful ancient Greek playwright and sage Aristophanes. And, and allow me to let, let, read his Lysistrato, you ladies, just a thought. Anyway, congratulations to all you winners, and stick with us, because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way, comes yet another enriching quotation. And if you are among the, the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind and soul-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And wine tasting uh, and wine business expert, uh, Dr. Gary Pavlis is going to tell you about the world of high tech that's entering winemaking. Right after, I make this introduction to you of the company by whose good graces we're here today, and that firm is Prometheus Publishing. And also this very day, Prometheus would like to just in keeping uh, with today's topic, have you take a look at one of its tasty offerings, the Garden State Wineries Guide. It's a thorough look at uh, all the wineries in New Jersey with directions and stories about vintners and owners and descriptions of the winery, even even the specialty vintages that uh, the owners themselves prefer that can tantalize your spirit. And to prove its credibility, the foreword is written by none other than Dr. Gary Pavlis, so what can I tell you? But additionally, Prometheus Publishing would like to help your entrepreneurial and business growth dreams for whatever uh, your venture. Uh, try reading, so that's how they do it, Tactics from Business Master. It's a gem of a guide. It offers you solutions, business organizing, sales strategies, disciplines, all the important attitudes that you need to carry with you to have your goals and achievements reach their fruition. All you add is sweat in your marvelous brains. So begin enticing yourself by picking up the Garden State Wineries Guide, and so that's how they do it, by visiting bartsbooks.com. Carpe diem, my friend. You are indeed worth it. Now, with utensils in hand, let's return to the wisdom of Dr. Gary Pavlis as he intriguingly peels back the grates and we see what's underneath. Gary, you've just returned from the Finger Lakes region uh, in New York State from an American Society for Viticulture conference uh, and they were taught discussing digital viticulture. Uh, so what, what's the deal? Should we be looking for robots rolling through the lines and the vintners staring, looking at drone video, digital images from the, of the vines uh, outside their windows? Is that what we're looking at? Actually, yes. <laughs> it, it was it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm telling you. I mean, tell us, uh, tell us. there were tractors that were GPS directed with nobody in the tractor. Um, there were drones spotting uh -huh. um, all the disease problems. Um, there were remote cameras uh, being uploaded to 
computers to show you um, all kinds of uh, insect disease problems. Uh, uh, it, it was it was amazing. It really amazing. I mean, where we're, we are now and where we're going to be in 10 years is incredible. Uh, I was I was in awe. I mean, I, I rarely asked a question because it, it was, uh, I think I was so amazed so often. Um, it, it was really an amazing thing. It, it really was. I mean, to see a tractor basically turning on and off uh, a spray or a fertilizer um, that was being directed by uh, GPS, um, it, you know, as a result, you're not using as much. You're only putting it really, really go, should go. Um, it was an amazing thing. Yeah, it really was. So this is all going to. Uh, this is something that is that most that even the smaller wineries will have for themselves in five years, ten years, something like that. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, yes, they will. Oh, yeah. So okay, well, what about uh, what about? I, I'm thinking about some of the tradition, some of the vintage tradition here. What about barrels? Will we have barrels and corks uh, around us in 2025? I mean, my grandchildren are going to look at a corkscrew and say, why do they have a, what's that, a pig's tail? Uh, you know, uh, will the sommeliers hand us a, a wine list and ask glass or plastic, sir? I mean, uh, what are, will those will those some of the old traditions still hang around? Well, I think, as you know, uh, wine is steeped in tradition. And and I just think some things are just not going to go away. I mean, Bordeaux, Bordeaux is always going to try to use cork. Um, but as you know, there's many right, places right. that you know use uh, screw cups now, and 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 things things will change. That's true. And you know, with climate change, um, things are going to change more than we maybe expect. Um, you know, but right, right, right. Uh, so I but I think some things are going to hang on. I mean, I hope to always hear the pop of a cork, and. Uh, and I hope always that we use uh, glass uh, rather than plastic, uh, you know. Uh, oh, but uh, so I, I, we are going to move, uh, you know, into the future. But at the same time, I think that there's a lot of tradition in wine, and I and I hope we hold on to some of it, you know. Well, one of the time-honored tra- uh, traditions is. Uh, is the idea of the wine tour and Dr. Gary Pavlis and your partner Frank Aquino? I have founded the fast. You founded the, the fascinating wine all the time tours that you take folks both domestically and all the way uh, uh, around uh, through Europe. And I understand you've signed, signed have a nice uh, 2020 spring tour uh, through the wine region of Tuscany. Tell us about that, could you? Well, you know, I yes, it's called Wine All the Time Tours, uh, and we call it that because, um, you know, we don't go to museums, we don't don't go to churches. What we do is we eat mm-hmm. and we drink really well, and so uh-huh. I uh-huh. I just love Italy. I just love Tuscany, uh, you know, and New Jerseyans love Italy. Uh, supposedly, sixty two percent of everybody yeah, in New right. Jersey has some Italian heritage, so. Um, oh yeah. So as a result, I mean, I, I I love going there, and we we concentrate on Montalcino because they make Brunello de Montalcino, which easily is one of the best wines in Italy, and as a result, one of the best wines in the world. And so we we uh, I know a lot of uh, wineries there. I've made friends with them. Um, they treat me like family, and uh, we keep the groups very small, and 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 it's a wonderful trip. And I just felt like uh, rather than just going there every 
two, three, four years. Why not make make um, a lot of trips and and bring people over there so they can really experience? So we go every May, every September, and it's 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 a fantastic thing. It's a fantastic place uh, with you know uh, wonderful wine, incredible food, amazing scenery, and the people love us and they extend uh, every. Every uh, ability to, to to really make us enjoy. Uh, they really love us there. So as a result, uh, it's a wonderful place. That's all there is to it. You know, it's as close to heaven as maybe I'll ever get. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, truly, nectar in Olympus. Well, now one of the things. In fact, you just mentioned it right now. You mentioned uh, Brunello, which is one of the. Uh, premier is the highest esteemed wine is considered Tuscany's most prestigious export anyway. What what gives it the renown? What, what gives a wine renown? I mean, is it part is it part of it maybe the the grape, but is it is this all is this tradition mixed also with great salesmanship? What does it take to to raise a wine to excellence? Well, I mean, it's a lot of it is location, location, location. I mean, it's a, it's an, in a certain mm. place that where the grape and the and the region are a perfect match. So, and that could happen, you know, that could happen in New Jersey, that could happen in Long Island, that could happen in Australia, that could happen in Italy. So, but then I think there's also this total commitment to excellence. I mean, that really has to be foremost. Right. I mean, you really you really have to want to produce a great wine to produce a great wine, you know, and 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 that's 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 very important. I mean, you can't just say, well, you know, I'm just going to produce something and make some money, you know, Um, and, you know, and Brunello has definitely made that commitment. I mean, they have very strict regulations and uh, about how long an oak and the amount of yield per acre, uh, et cetera. So, I mean, it's, it's that commitment, it's certainly that commitment to, to excellence that really does it. Um, yes, tradition, tradition falls in, but even in, in, in Brunello in Tuscany, um, you know, they're breaking tradition a little bit. They used to use always just uh, very big uh, Yugoslavian oak, and now some, some are using um, French oak, and some are using even American oak. So, um, so you know, it's a break right, with tradition, but the, the thing is, yes, I mean, but still there's a, there's a commitment to excellence. And I find that in New Jersey. I mean, they, you know, there are multiple, multiple wineries that, that they, they bring in outside consultants that really know their stuff. And they say, okay, how can we make this wine better? And, and they have told me, I want to make this vintage better than the last vintage. And, and that's what you have to do. I mean, I think you always have to have that mindset that every year is going to be better than the last one. And so that's, I think that's the key. You know, I think I, I hope you all listen to that because Gary Pavlis has just spoken a timeless truth, and this is what I'm going to call a quill pen moment. And that, by that, I mean uh, this: he has, he has spoken the truth that if you really are can uh, take aim at excellence and want to produce the best that is out there, whatever your product. That is what is going to get you known, and that's what's going to bring you to the top more than your own commitment. So I hope you would all dip your pens in the inkwell and scribble that down, and I thank you, Gary, for bringing that to our attention. Now, if I – You're welcome. Uh, I have just one, one – uh, one, I have two more questions. One, one quickly. What about climate change? I mean, I was in Australia. They're moving their wineries all the way down to Tasmania to, to, to make them – to take advantage 
uh, it's a scary it's a scary thing. You don't move a, move a winery on a whim. It, are we facing a trouble with climate change in the wine world? Well, actually, you know, in many places, uh, the wine will be better. Um, Oregon, for instance, mm-hmm. did a did a study, and most of uh, the Oregon wineries uh, will be better off with uh, warmer temperatures. Um, so mm-hmm. now, now things like uh, Bordeaux, Bordeaux is doing a study that uh, where they think they're going to have to change the grapes that they grow. Um, things oh. are going to change. Things are going to change. You know, will the German yeah. Rieslings be too high in alcohol and too fruity? Uh, because it's going to get warmer and they'll be too ripe. Um, you know, I think the biggest problem I see is that uh, we don't want a year like last year, for instance, in New Jersey, where or the whole mid-Atlantic, where it just rained the whole year. And now, is that a product of yeah, the climate yeah, change? And that, if it is, then well, that is not a good thing. So I think there are positives right. and there are negatives. Mm-hmm. Okay. I that is very succinctly put. That's great. Now, uh, Gary, I just I bet ten cents of my own money that about ninety percent of our Art of the CEO listeners have a few favorite wines and they want to expand their uh, horizons. And there's several there I'm sure who want to open up a uh, would like to open up their wine their own wineries and are considering it. How might uh, to either expand their tasting or their own businesses? How might they get in touch with you? to uh, partake of some of your advice? Well, um, if, if they, they want to look into the tour, uh, they could just go www.wineallthetimetours. But um, if they want to actually talk about opening a winery, um, then they should come to me. And, um, and my email is pavlis.njaes.rutgers.edu. Or you could just go to the Rutgers website and put Gary Pavlis in and and do a search, and you'll find my phone number, my address, et cetera. And, you know, most of the wineries in New Jersey have started in my office. So um, uh, if you contact me, we could sit down and talk about it. <laughs> All right. Gary, thank you so much. This is boy, I, I've learned a lot, and maybe even our own little hobby wine here, or the Chateau Bonchance, will uh, be a little better for after this show after from the wisdom you've given me. But I thank you so much and uh, would love to have you back and, and tell us about more about the tours. Thank yeah, you so much. Sure, anytime. And I, I consider myself a wine missionary, so anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's quotation, and that is, who is the individual who said anyone could be a millionaire? But to be a billionaire, you need an astrologer. <laughs> As a hint, this billionaire financier, uh, whose major purchases included Andrew Carnegie's steel empire, was the nation's he was the nation's unrivaled top dog banker and founder of a brokerage firm still bearing his name. So if you know the author of this quote, just scribble that sage's name down as you believe it to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com for a career igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, last night lightning struck and everything crashed and went black. So I called the utility and I said, uh, and the kindly lady said, oh, so you are without power. And I said, no, ma'am, we are never without power. We just don't have any electricity. (laughs) So uh, 
And so, and to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this on all our shows by visiting theartofceo.com and finally you who've honored us with your time. May I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you.